Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Strange Pathways. I'm your host, Scott Mort. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I, uh, I didn't want to take last week off, but it was very necessary that I took last week off. I was, I was in a car accident. I was, I was rear-ended, a little banged up. I, I, this happened on a Tuesday, and interestingly enough, like, right after the accident, didn't really have that much pain. Just a little bit of pain, like in my left shoulder blade. And later that night, my lovely wife, Ariana, she looked at my arm. And she went, like, the back of your arm is just completely bruised. But that was Tuesday. Still no pain. Wednesday, a little stiff, but not bad. Thursday, still a little stiffer, but not bad. Friday, I woke up, and it was just, okay, it's time to get to a doctor. I really hurt. Lots of soft tissue damage. But I'm recovering nicely. Uh, my lovely wife and her friend, Amber, also made the, honestly, life-saving decision. Maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but definitely trouble-saving decision of uh, asking the gas station where I had the accident if they had security footage. So now instead of it me being you know, my word against the other drivers, now there's lovely 4K security cam footage of me slowing down, turn signal on, waiting for, waiting for my turn to get in, and just the other vehicle four seconds after I've stopped and I'm waiting to turn left. The other vehicle just smashing right into the back of me. So, I don't know if they'll ever hear it. My wife doesn't really listen to the show. She gets enough of this, quite honestly, just from me. <laughs> but uh, if you ever do hear it, Amber and Ariana, thank you so very much. Now, on to this week's tales. The phenomena of the black-eyed kids, it, it really seems to be a, a phenomena that has only really happened in the last 20, 25 years. It's, it's really almost as if the internet itself gave birth to this black-eyed kid phenomena. But maybe, just maybe, that phenomena was always there. Maybe maybe it was the advent of the internet that allowed experiencers to, to find a place to share their experiences. Now, not a lot of sources out there talk about these strange little black-eyed kids. These, these children who seem just a little bit out of place, wearing old-fashioned clothing, knocking on doors, ringing doorbells, asking to be let in. 
insisting that they be let in. Very much like the vampire legend. You know, please let us come in. They, it, it's like they need that invite. But these black-eyed kids, no white, no iris, just black across the eyes. There's something, there's something in almost all the people who encounter these black-eyed kids, that uncanny valley, that, that instinct, that self-preservation. There's something in each of them that stops them from letting these children in. Using the guise of children, I think is fascinating. It's, it's in our interest as a human race to, to protect children of all types. So I think that's very interesting. I, I've also had this thought in the back of my mind. The uncanny valley exists. The uncanny valley, that, that sense of whenever you're looking at something that's, it looks human, but it's not quite human. Mannequins, crash test dummies, AI generated faces. They're human, but they don't look quite human. A great example. A great example. If you ever watch the old Terminator films, you know, those, those prosthetics that were made of Arnold Schwarzenegger's head, those, those masks, those are taken directly from Schwarzenegger's head. They're exact, right down to the 100th of a millimeter, they are exact. But something in your brain, something in my brain, knows exactly whenever you're seeing a cast, there's just something about it that's not human. And maybe that uncanny valley exists because of a predator. Something that hunts us, that looks human, but isn't quite. Maybe the black-eyed kids. But as I said, these incidents, for the most part, they only seem to go back 20, 25 years. But there is a story that comes from the Picardy region in northern France, 1974. Now, these two men, Alain G. Patrick V. They, they decide it's, it's a beautiful day. Let's go out for this nice little afternoon drive. It's 2, 2.30. Let's go enjoy some time in the countryside. At about 3 p.m., Patrick and Elaine, they get to this unnamed village. It's in the area of I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this. Ain, A-I-S-N-E. The, all my instincts are saying this is pronounced Ain. They get to the last house in this little unnamed village. And they, they need to car- turn the car around. There's just nowhere else to go. So they stop. 
They're getting ready to turn the car around. And that's whenever Elaine and Patrick, they see these children just sort of standing outside of a building. Five of them. Five of them standing in the courtyard of this house. Three were... Three of the kids were kind of in the background and they, they seem to be touching the sides of the building with both hands. Now the remaining were standing, staring at Patrick and Elaine's car. These kids, they're about four feet tall and they're dressed in these oilcloth garments, these long multi-collared spotted oilcloth garments and all of them all of them have long waist length hair their skin is this jaundiced yellowy color it's very close but not quite natural now elaine elaine's in the passenger seat patrick's the one that's doing the driving elaine winds down his car window And he looks at the child standing in the front. He notices the the noses are compressed. They're, They're flattened noses. But the eyes. Elaine said these eyes were like black billiard balls. Now the child nearest to the car raised raised their arm and kind of gave the the waving come here gesture both patrick and elaine they panic that fight or flee that uncanny valley that i'm in danger kicks in they slam the car in reverse and they get out of there this case It starts to make its rounds. Several months later, there are these two paranormal investigators, Joël Maynard and Jean-Marie Bignot. And they actually track down this village. They go there. They're, They're going to find out And they start going house to house to house. And have you seen, have you seen these kids? Now, of course, they didn't call them black eyed kids. They said these odd little people. Have you seen strange children? Have you seen little tiny people? And they finally find one man. And he says, yeah. Yeah, I see. I, I'd seen them once. They're these odd little people. They're in the road outside the house. Other people have seen them here too. We, we don't know where they come from. We call them the little strangers. Is... Is this the same entity that gave rise to the, to the legend of the vampire? Or is this something all new? Is it, is it 
that vampire just masquerading in a more modern form? New tricks? And why is it that it needs to play the, by the strange rule of being invited in? It can't go to you. You have to come to it. The first, the first thing that comes to my mind whenever, whenever you have to come to it, the first thing that comes immediately to my mind is a lion going after the sickest animal, making, making the other herds of zebra or antelope or whatever they happen to be going after. They always go after the weakest, and that makes the herd stronger. Humans are different, though. Humans, we care. We care for our weakest. Right up to the bitter end. That's what's beautiful, honestly, about humans. We will see the weakest among us and try to lift them up. But it seems, it really seems like there's something out there doing its level best to call the weakest from our herd. As I've said many times before, I, I don't think what we're dealing with is several different phenomena. I believe what we're dealing with is one phenomena acting in several different ways. Let, let me explain it this way. And I've, I've used this before in, in past episodes. If I'm inside of my house and I see a bright light, and something starts to float, and there's a light zipping through my house, that's a ghost. That's a ghost. If I'm outside, and I see a bright light, and it shines something down on, on it shines a light down on something, and that something, a car, a person, an animal, starts to lift up, well, that's no longer a ghost. ghost. Ghost isn't even where your mind goes at that point. Now your mind goes to UFOs, extraterrestrials, what have you. We are dealing with the same phenomena acting in different ways. With that in mind... Let's go back to July 1983, Mount Vernon, Missouri, just, just about dawn. There's this unnamed couple, and they're living the dream. They have a farmhouse, a pasture, just living that, that nice bucolic lifestyle. Like, like most farmers, they're getting up very early in the morning. And they see these bright silver flashes just 
pop, 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 pop. Coming from their pasture across the road to their farmhouse. This could be anything, right? This could be uh, a transformer blowing. This could be lightning. This could be, this could be a fire. This could end their livelihood if it's a fire in the fields. So, they grab a pair of binoculars and they look over towards those silver flashes. And they see something absolutely incredible. They see these two small silver suited humanoids that silver suit that pops up a lot in ufo lore the kentucky hopkinsville goblins wore silver suits the tight silver suits so many so many of the encounters silver suited humanoids now these humanoids they they're running their hands over a cow these little humanoids, they're, they're your standard alien. Tiny body, big head. But they're, they're rubbing their hands over this black cow. This black cow is laying on its side. It's not moving. And it's not just kind of like petting the cow. It's not that, that, that easing. It's these weird, erratic, zigzaggy, hot, jerky movements. I, I imagine they're passing the binoculars to each other. They're not quite able to, to understand what they're seeing. But as these humanoids in the silver suits, they're, they're moving their hands over this cow in the, these weird patterns. The cow rises straight up off the ground. And I don't mean it stands up. I mean, it's floating. It's floating off the ground. And then the beings themselves float off the ground. And they go into this silver cone shaped object. This silver cone shaped object, it's on the ground. They just kind of float over to it and it's it's very shiny it's its surface is like a mirror it's reflecting everything around it standing by the ramp that these two humanoids in the silver suits float into with the floating cow is a much taller creature it's reptilian. It's got the same general body shape, slender, large head, but it's reptilian. It, it's got these big, big glaring eyes. And even though the, these eyes, these eyes are so big in this reptilian humanoid skull that through the binoculars, they can see that the, the pupils are slit like a snake's pupils. 
that's weird enough. That's weird enough. But on the other side of the craft is an even taller creature. It's heavier. It's built stocky. But it has, it has those big eyes. It, it's vertical yellow slits in round green eyes. But this thing, like I said, it, it's tall. It's stocky. And, and, and this is the important part, it's covered in hair. This is a Bigfoot. This is a Sasquatch. This is, or if it's not, it's something that looks a lot like that. As, as soon as these creatures get into the ship with the cow, it disappears. It's gone. Now, could there be, could there be creatures, intelligent creatures on another planet that look like Bigfoot? Sure. Sure. I mean, on our own planet, there's convergent evolution. There's several creatures. There's, there's this phenomenon called carcinogenic. Uh, that's a tough word to say. Carcinosization. I cannot say that word to save my soul. Essentially, what the word I'm trying to say and cannot get out means is that everything is evolving towards crabs. The, the crab body type has evolved several times from different animals just on this planet. So could you have that convergent evolution where, okay, we have possibly, I believe, I believe it to be, we have Bigfoot on this planet. We have a large, hairy, hominid creature living in the woods. And maybe on some arboreal planet, Far off in the distance, the, the life form is a large, hairy creature. But I think, honestly, it's much, much more likely that what we're seeing as Bigfoot and what we're seeing as aliens and what we're seeing as ghosts and what we're seeing is that that handful of one-off paranormal experiences like Sam the Sandown Clown and just odd flashing lights that have no place on this planet. What we are seeing is the same thing, the same intelligence presenting itself in different masks. We're an experiment. Charles Ford said it best. We are somebody else's property. 
our last tale takes us to Clark's Beach, August 2022. Now, Clark's Beach, that's a, that's a small town in Newfoundland. Peggy and her husband, Derek, they have two kids. And they, they move to Clark's Beach around 2000. She, she loves the area. One of her favorite things to do at Clark's Beach is to go into the woods near her home and pick berries. I, I love picking berries. I used, to live, I used to live close to Finzel, Maryland. And one of my favorite things to do, there's a swamp near Finzel called Cranberry Swamp. Now, me, of course, I have to be different. I love to go out there and pick blueberries, but there, there were cranberries. But I loved it. One of my favorite memories from my childhood, if you would indulge me for just a moment. My mom, my dad, and I, we used to have berry picking contests where we would go out in the woods and we'd pick blueberries, strawberries, what have you. And whoever filled their bucket first... One, there was no prize. It was just a bit of fun. Now, my dad had a sweet tooth. I've inherited that. But my dad had this sweet tooth. And while my mom and I, we were frantically picking berries, trying to fill our bucket and laughing, my dad would pick a berry, eat a berry, pick a berry, eat a berry. pick. And we were laughing at him. You'll never, you'll never beat us, right? But we're, we're very focused and we're throwing berries in the bucket. He goes, I'm done. We turn around. His bucket's full. It blew our mind. So it was only a five-minute walk back to our house from the woods. We get back, and we empty my bucket. We empty my mom's bucket. Then we empty my dad's bucket, and he had stuffed it full of moss and just the top layer covered in blueberries. I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of missing my mom and my dad recently. Thank you for indulging me. Anyway, Peggy and Derek. Peggy and Derek, they have that fun. They have two kids. But Peggy decides that she's going to go pick berries. Now, where they live, this is the summer, and where they live, there are only seven houses on the road. And there's only one entrance. It's... It's where I would want to move, surrounded by trees. Now, Peggy's yard has these wildflowers and strawberries and cherry trees. And they see wildlife all the time. The neighbor has a plum tree. And moose would come out to this plum tree and eat the plums off of it every fall. Right across from Peggy's house, there's this big piece of undeveloped land. It's just filled with trees. And the blueberries that grow there are enormous. And Peggy loves going there. She, she makes a couple of trips to this spot every year. It's just right across the road, a little path, and then she would come out to the small clearing 
and it's lousy with blueberry bushes. Every year, she goes and goes and goes. 2022 comes around. Peggy's waiting for her sister to come and visit them up in Newfoundland. She looks at her husband and says, Hey, I'm going to go out to my spot. I'm going to go pick a few berries. She grabs a bucket, 6 p.m., late August. It's getting dark earlier, but she knows she has plenty of time. She's, she's close enough that she can see her house. She can hear if her sister pulls into the driveway. It's only, it's only a few thousand feet. Peggy's picking, picking the berries, picking the berries. The berries were always big. But this time there was something off about these berries. These berries were huge. Blue. The bluest blue. And they're, they're massive berries. Unnaturally big blueberries. Peggy notices that it's getting dark. And she knows on some level she should be going home. But her brain would go, oh, look, another big patch of blueberries. Look at them. Peggy cannot leave no matter how many blueberries she picked. Even though these, these berries are massive, the bucket will not fill. Peggy, part of her brain goes, it's just my eyes playing tricks on me. It's getting dark, of course. Keep picking and you'll fill your bucket soon, Peggy. Her common sense is vanishing. All of a sudden, Peggy gets this odd silence. The air gets a little colder. There's no wind. And it got very, very quiet. There's no birds, no insects. She can't even hear the sound of the highway. And she can always hear the highway. A little bit of fear kicks in. Peggy's afraid she's gone deaf. But then she realizes, oh, I can hear my heart. But pretty soon, she can't even hear that. Everything starts to go in slow motion. But then something clicks. And this voice says, get out of here now! Peggy realizes that she's, she's sitting down. She stands up and she's trying to leave, but her feet feel so heavy. She's looking for the path. She can't find the path. She can see her house, but she can't find her way to it. The harder Peggy tries 
to make her way through the trees and get to the road, the further away it seems. It's, she likens it to being on a treadmill in front of a big screen. She sees her sister's car pull into the driveway. She sees her husband step out on the porch. Her husband's calling out to let Peggy know that her sister's there. Peggy goes to answer, but she can't call back. The only thing that comes out of Peggy's mouth is a hoarse whisper. Peggy's scared. It's getting dark. She wants out. But she's saying out loud, as loud as she can, in that hoarse whisper, not tonight, not tonight, leave me alone, I'm not playing your games, not tonight, not tonight. And here's the interesting thing about this phenomenon. And once again, I'm using this phenomenon. I'm not talking about the strange events that are happening in the woods. I'm talking about paranormal phenomena in a huge umbrella term. If you command it, it usually does what you say. If you stand up to ghosts, if you tell them to stop, a lot of times they will stop. If you start to pray during an alien abduction, a lot of times the aliens will back down. It happens time and time again. And Peggy is commanding this. I'm not playing your games. Leave me alone. And the next thing that Peggy knows, she's on the path. She's standing on the road in front of her house. She doesn't know how she got there, but she got there. And she's happy to get there. She's, she's so scared. She's afraid to go back. And that's sad. That lovely little place that was all hers. And I mean, what was she doing? Right? She wasn't attacking. She wasn't invading. She was going and getting food. Something that I believe is a very, not just a human right, the right of every living creature on this planet is to get food. You can't fault a creature for trying to get food. You can't fault a bear for eating a salmon. You can't fault a tiger for eating a zebra. You, you can't fault a human for picking some berries. It is every living creature's right to get food. She wasn't even... She wasn't... She wasn't trespassing. It was undeveloped. Why did this phenomena attack Peggy? 
And now she has to live with that. She has to live with the fact that something extremely traumatic that happens to so few people. Listen, I I talked about my car accident. It's scary for me to drive now. And it will be for a while until I process what happened to me. But for Peggy... That took something beautiful away from her. It's not fair. It's not fair to Peggy. And it's not fair to the people that it happens to. Why would this phenomena lay down a trap? Like the black-eyed children in our first story. Why does this phenomena lay down traps? Thank you so much for joining us here on Strange Pathways. One quick bit of housekeeping. I'm going to post a video up on the Twitter and the Facebook feeds. I strongly suggest you watch it. If you want to get right to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about, go to the four-minute mark. Uh, Those who know, know. Those who don't, there is a... Very, very famous UFO case, the Cash Landrum case. Uh, Cash Landrum, uh, Betty Cash, she saw a, her and her family, her mother, her son, they see this, this UFO in the sky. It's diamond shaped, it's spitting fire out the bottom, and they are exposed to a massive dose of radiation. And for the rest of their lives, they're plagued with health problems, strange cancers, and just really, really vicious health problems. There was a public interest declassification board event uh, that was held last week. It was called America's Secrets Declassification and Our Democracy. Now, there was a gentleman, Matt Monroe. He asked just an excellent question regarding the Cash Landrum incident. It was, it was beautifully put. It was quick. And he, he talks about that, the, the possibility of radiation exposure, whether it be from a UFO, from a secret government aircraft. And the, the panel handled it as best they could. But this is what we need to do. We need to take the fight to them. So once again, I'll post that up in the Facebook and the Twitters. I'm old. I'm going to say it that way. But like I said, hit that four minute mark. I think it comes in like four minutes, 15 seconds, what have you. Four minutes will get you close to it. My hat's off to you, Mr. Monroe. Thank you so very much for joining us here on Strange Pathways. If you're so inclined, head on over to Twitter, Pathways Strange, TikTok, 
Strange Pathways Podcast and our Instagram, Strange Pathways Podcast. Now that I'm feeling a little bit better, I'll try to get up those one-minute somewhat daily videos once every two or three days now that I am feeling better. Uh, If you want to head over to our Facebook page, we're going to have some images and links dealing with the stories on this week's podcast. If you want to email me, strangepathwaysmail@gmail.com. head on over to YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member, you know, you've got that certain somebody that would love this show. And we're trying our best to grow this show organically. I don't buy views. I don't buy subscribers. That's quite honestly, that's cheating. Thank you so, so much. Once again, take care of yourselves and each other. 